Welcome back to People Analytics. I'm your host, Lindsay Patton. Today I have with me Deborah Dash, who is the Human Resources Director at Unlimited Biking. Welcome, Deborah. Thank you. So I always like to ask this question at the beginning of every podcast. Who are you? What do you do? And why you do it? Why do you do it? So um, I've, I'm a unif- I'm a human uh, resources professional. I've been in human resources for about 30 years. Um, and I've worked at um, lots of different type, types of companies, some that have real products, some are uh, technology-based, some are entertainment. Uh, and um, I have specialized in the last couple of years in emerging companies and in the tech space and startups. Um, and I do it because I love it. Uh, I get to have an impact every day um, with the people that I work with. I'm able to coach and mentor um, and to see people develop and to become really um, n- not just technically good at their job, but actually good at being the managers that they need to be. Yeah, that's so important. And one thing I really, really like about your um, mindset in people management and people leadership is that you view companies and organizations as a living organism. So can you explain that? So I think that in order to understand, yes, because an org- I, I think when you have an organism is very complicated and has lots of different functioning parts. And so companies are very much the same way and they very much uh, operate according to the people who are uh, who are in them, the people that are running them and the people that are managing them. So in order to really understand the culture, I think instead of being someone who sits in an office, you really have to be out and be involved uh, in, with the groups that you're working for. Uh, and uh, that's something that I've always been a big advocate of, is getting out, walking around, and um, becoming a, a part of the teams that you work with. Now, I know that you um, like going to departmental meetings, uh, because you, it's an opportunity for you to observe. So what do you learn from in those meetings? So when you go to the meetings, uh, when I go to meetings, uh, I'm very interested. I, I go pretty much as an observer. So I, I go to see who participates, um, when they participate, how they participate. It gives me a really good idea of um, how a manager is managing and how individuals are, um, how, how they're viewing their own position within the groups that they're in. Um, you know, there are different management styles and there are different ways of soliciting opinions and soliciting information. Uh, And um, it helps me also when I guide managers to be able to sit down with them and tell them uh, that what my observations are and to maybe help them be better listeners, uh, better solicitors of, of information. And I think that's very helpful in creating not just great teamwork, but a great outcome for the particular group. Yeah. And one thing that comes up as a topic on this show is being a good active listener and how important it is when you are a people leader. Um, So what do you talk about with uh, the managers uh, and some tips on how to be uh, better listeners? 
So I think that um, when I sit down with um, a manager, I'm I'm interested in in what their background is, what their mentoring has been, uh, and what their experience has been, uh, and then to help them bring sh- into focus a little sharper focus what it is um, about their leadership um, uh, that will either that's either something I think is very effective because it's always good to lead with the positive or something I think that might be done a little differently. And I'm not saying that they're doing it wrong. I'm just giving them a different way of looking at or different way of approaching uh, the groups that they work with or the individuals they work with. Um, In many companies, you have people that are come from different, not just different backgrounds, but different cultural experiences where they're different expectations uh, based on gender or um, seniority. uh, And those are things that I think that it's important to pay attention to uh, in order to be able to make people feel comfortable enough to not just have a seat at the table, but to have a voice in the room, which I think is much more important. Yeah. So I know that you're also fascinated by the culture in an organization. So do you have any best practices or, you know, um, strong cultures that you've seen throughout your career? Uh, Yes. And I think that culture is always something that um, is primarily set at the top and through the managers. uh, And then it it filters down. So the people that are attracted to work at the company, Companies self-select to come and work at that company. And so they're attracted by the leadership and by, um, I think, you know, strong leaders uh, have very strong points of view, but they don't always express them out of the box. Um, But they have certain expectations and certain uh, um, boundaries and parameters that they'll set uh, in order to make people, um, you know, look at things to communicate uh, if you have a manager that that expects that everybody's going to have uh, everybody's going to participate, then I think you have a much better uh, you have a much better group, a much better uh, interaction. Mm-hmm. And I know one part of culture that is really important to you is creating a culture of growth and improvement. So you, can you explain that? Um, yes, I think that when when you start working for a company, you, um, you know, you come in and you're really learning what the business is and learning um, how to do your job. But I think you're also looking at some other things. And what are the opportunities that there are presented for you to, to learn more, uh, to develop as a, as not just your skill set, but your managerial set, so it's a, a question of where are you going? Um, and although you may not be looking for a particular slot or a title, you're looking to see how big um, that platform is going to be for you um, in terms of what's going to be made available to you. Um, everybody likes to learn. Everybody is basically curious, I think. So it's does the culture of the company permit that? Do they encourage curiosity? Do they allow you to step out of your lane uh, and participate? Um, And if they do, they're going to have a much richer culture for that. 
Yeah. And I love that you mentioned it because I feel like we historically think of work success and happiness of, you know, getting fancy titles or promotions when it can really just be, you know, incorporating something new or tweaking something or giving an opportunity. Yes. Uh, and sometimes uh, being given an opportunity to do another job at the company that you're in. So I think always having um, those channels of communication open, uh, the doors, as they say, always open. Um, and to be looking, I think part of my job is also to look at people and to, to see what they're doing and see if I see something where they might not have thought of, you know, looking somewhere else in the company, but saying, how about trying something like this? Or you have a very strong uh, aptitude or you have a talent in a certain department. Is that something you might be interested in exploring? So how do you encourage professional development at your organization? Um, are there opportunities for continuing education or courses or e even in-house opportunities? So in the past, um, yes. And I think course develop courses are great. And I think that that's uh, very important to make uh, not just courses that uh, that are available to me or that I know about, but courses that uh, that people will bring to me that they have found. Um, I think part of it, I think the most important part is just having people that are observant and are encouraging uh, and look at your strengths and try to uh, give you more responsibility in areas where you seem to be excelling or have an interest. Um, so I think it's, um, it's, it's letting go for managers, it's letting go and allowing employees to go up to try different things and to see how those things work out um, and be supportive of the um, of, of things that your employees or things that the staff are doing that, um, you know, may not have been done before, may not have been looked at before. Yeah, absolutely. And I know part of uh, your passion for professional development involves diversity. So tell me a little bit about that. So, um, as I said, I've been doing this for quite some time, and I always thought that I was a was a a, a pretty much blind when it came to uh, interviewing. I looked at people's backgrounds in a in a more and in a complete way to look at what, where they've gone to, to school or um, what they studied, what they what their first job was, what they were doing now, how they sort of how they moved in their career. Um, and I thought I was uh, pretty good about being able to be very open uh, and to look at a lot of different possibilities and to also um, look at the at someone's journey um, in their life as a more complete picture. Um, and then someone at an interview once asked me um, what I would do to, uh, to spearhead a diversity program in their company. And I really didn't have a good answer for it. So it, I realized when I couldn't answer that question that I needed to learn a lot more and that I really wasn't, um, uh, I, I didn't know as much as I thought, or I wasn't as, um, uh, I didn't know as much as I, as I thought I knew, you know, about diversity. So I started taking online courses everywhere that I could find one. 
Um, and I sat through a lot of um, a lot of diversity training uh, from beginning to more advanced courses. And that's talking about, you know, more process. Um, and um, I really learned a lot about myself and about things that I may have been doing and very possibly was doing that were not conscious, but were um, not where I wanted to be and not and not the person that I wanted to be um, uh, as an HR person. That's really, really awesome. Um, you know, the, the self-reflection you showed is really, really, I'm, I respect that so deeply um, because it can be difficult to look inward and admit to yourself oh, I, I don't know as much as I thought. Um, so how did you, you know, how did you navigate kind of that humbling moment? Uh, I became much more aware, um, n- not just of what I looked at, because that's not, it's not always what you see on the page. Um, it's, it was uh, for me, um, being aware of, um, what I heard. Um, and in looking at a candidate, um, I might've thought that I was low key and friendly and informal and that that was getting the best interview out of them. But also, but I wasn't really, um, looking to see from my perspective, um, whether I was more comfortable with certain candidates, you know, did I have an easier time talking to women, to men, uh, to people in my age group, um, to people that went to my school. Um, you know, did I, those things I had never, ever, had never entered my mind that there might be some kind of a subconscious um, camaraderie, uh, if you will. Um, and so I became much more aware of that um, and realizing that it wasn't just being friendly or open or nice. Um, but it was being more uh, aware of my own interaction with candidates. Yeah. yeah, and that's so important because as as humans, we are just naturally, we naturally want to find similarities and connect with people with similarities. So you mentioned, you know, went to the same school, you know, there's a similarity that is is a really intimate one. You, you know, you had some of your, um, you know, most important years in school. Uh, yeah, I mean, and I think that that's very, very true that, um, as I look back and I, you asked me about reflection, I thought, yeah, I could definitely think of instances when I absolutely, you know, loved a candidate, thought they were great. And then looked back and said at their resume and said, Oh, I, I think I they were great. They were terrific. I should have really um, been supportive of them and recommended them. But I think a lot of um, th- that may have come from me as much as from them. Uh, so I'm trying to keep myself out of my interviews um, and um, and and let people let people let be more comfortable and to let to to give me the signals that will tell me what will make them more comfortable. Some people like, you know, the informality. Um, 
it's 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 much more a fine tuning uh, my what I do um, in order to um, have a candidate really show me who they are and not for me to direct them as to who they should be. Yeah. Yeah. And so you mentioned um, there are like kind of cues that you can tell what kind of experience you think that they'll like during the interview stage. Um, Can you share some of those? Um, Well, when I interview people, I know that resumes don't always have personal details on them, but sometimes people will listen, list, list an interest or something they've done. Um, And so many times I'll open, um, I'll open my interviews um, talking about that so that they are talking about not just giving me wrote what they've done or what they've learned or what they've given, told other interviewers, but to show me a little of their personality uh, and what it is that makes them tick, what motivates them. And I think once somebody feels comfortable in that situation um, or talking about something they really enjoy, they really love, um, then it's much easier to then uh, to pivot into their work experience and to find out how that, um, how, how, you know, those experiences or that experience um, has uh, has informed the choices that they've made about their career, about the jobs they've taken, about the jobs they've liked, about the jobs that they didn't like, about how um, about management styles, um, whether if they're if they are going to interview for a management position, how that's influenced them. Um, and if they're coming in uh, in a more in a lower position, what um, you know, as a starter starting out in their careers, what it is that will make them successful? Um, I do think that everybody has an has an answer for those questions, but maybe we've just never asked them. Yeah. So I want to talk about that question that you were asked about. What do you do for diversity? And so. Has the answer changed? Um, yes. Uh, I think in terms of looking at what, uh, you know, we, we've been impacted so much by COVID. And so most people are at, have, were at home for a very long period of time. So a lot of the interactions that we had on a daily basis with um, our coworkers just didn't happen anymore. And a lot of the interactions that we had online were very Forced, you know. I think everybody had a, a bingo game or a trivia night or you know game that tune, and it did get kind of old and it did get kind of um, you know a little bit sad after a while, <laughs> and participation definitely uh, lagged. So what? So now that we are high, I'm mostly hybrid in my jobs. We look for things uh, to do that are m- much more genuine, like we might get coffee in the morning and come in a little bit and say, Hey, everybody come in a few minutes early. We're just going to sit around and have our, our coffee and our, you know, bagels or whatever together. Um, so, and I think that that's a way to, um, to encourage people to learn about the people that they work with. Uh, it's a time for informal conversation. Um, you know, you learn so much more about people. I've also done lunch and learns or 
I, I guess we've called them lunch and learns, but they are more like um, the way we had them organized at one of the companies I worked for was that we, um, anybody could get up and talk. Um, every week we asked somebody if they would, would want to get up and talk about what they did. Um, and it didn't have to be on a work project and it didn't have to be on, you know, uh, there, you know, something that was really germane to what our, our business was. Um, we encourage people to get up and talk about the different things that they did when they were not at, at work. And we learned a lot. I think about, you know, people had all kinds of different interests. Somebody had tried to climb Mount Everest. Um, that was probably the most extreme one, uh, were sneaker collectors. Um, so, you know, and because we did have such a diverse bunch of people, we had a lot of diverse topics that people brought up. So that's another way of being able to appreciate somebody else's, um, culture. You know, I, I come from a generation where people don't collect sneakers. Uh, and uh, it was a new insight for me into something that motivated somebody else. Yeah. Did you notice um, any relationships change or evolve after having those opportunities to connect? Yes. I think that um, one of the, th the most important thing that came out, that one of the most important things, I think, in general, that comes out when you... Um, uh, have a group of people that are very, very different um, and come from different backgrounds is when you start talking to them and learning about them, you learn about um, maybe a different way to approach. Um, you know, there are many people who come here that are um, first generation um, new immigrants uh, or, um, you know, maybe people that came from a different state, you know, that from a different, didn't come from New York City. So I think it, it gives you insight into different approaches that can be successful uh, in working with people uh, so that not, every, not everybody has to approach everything the same way. Uh, and being able to respect that and to be able to, um, uh, to be able to have somebody, to be able to talk to someone and have them um, in a way that you might not have approached them before, um, it can be very helpful as well. Yeah. And it's, I, I'm grateful for you to, for bringing that up because when we think about diversity, we think about, you know, initiatives or trainings and it really, you know, some of it can really just be as simple as get to know your coworkers, like find out, you know, who they are and what they bring to the table. Yes. And I think that our, um, you know, we do because, and it, we are in New York, so we see, um, we are kind of a, 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 um, a, 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 a big, um, uh, I guess we, we have people from all over the place that come here to go to school to get, and, um, we don't really, you know, we live in such a big country that our perception of our borders are so wide that don't, unless the people are, unless people are coming into our, our, our space, um, we don't really have the opportunity to go everywhere. If we could travel everywhere in 
the world and we could see different countries and learn different countries and experience different countries. But we we can't. It's impossible to do all of that. So um, sometimes it's just good to know that there are um, different ways of uh, being or different ways of uh you know, addressing things that, that are different in different countries. Some are more uh, proper, some are less proper. Um, you know, some are more formal, some are more informal. Um, in some places, women are not encouraged to speak up um, or to speak out. And so being able to understand that, um, you know, we have a workforce that does need to be that needs to be treated individually, I guess, is the best way to put that. Um, and, and make sure that, you know, uh, we're not steamrolling over them because they're quieter or because uh, they're more proper or respectful. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Deborah, this has been such a great conversation, and um, I'm so happy you're able to be on the show and talk about, you know, um, diversity and connecting. Before we wrap up, is there anything that I missed or you would like to add? Um, I think that um, we're very, at least for me, I think that um, being in a, in a workforce that's um, multi-generational, that's multicultural, that's got, um, you know, gender diversity. I, I think that those are the companies that I've liked working in the most and had actually the most fun in um, because uh, it's, you get, you really get to be um, yourself uh, and to be accepted um, and that's, you know, I mean, there's, you spend so much time at work. Um, you want it to be someplace where you're happy and where you feel joy. Um, and I think diversity does do that. Oh, that's such a brilliant thing to end on. Thank you for that. <laughs> and if people want to connect with you, what's the best way to do that? Um, they can connect with me. Um, I'm on, uh, LinkedIn. Uh, that's probably the best way to connect with me. I have a LinkedIn account uh, and I'm happy to talk to anyone or connect with anyone who would like to connect with me. Awesome. Well, if you or anyone you know is like Deborah who wants to foster more diversity in the workplace, email me, lindsay at staffgeek.com. Thank you for listening to Staff Geek's People Analytics Podcast. I'm your host, Lindsay Patton, and I'm always looking to interview leaders who put people first. If you or someone you know lead with a people-first mindset, please email me at lindsay at staffgeek.com. That's L-I-N-D-S-A-Y at staffgeek.com. If you want to take things a step deeper and understand your organization's true culture DNA, I encourage you to take Staff Geek's free culture assessment. Just head to staffgeek.com and click the button that says free culture assessment. Thanks again for listening.